WBUR Podcasts, Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. WBUR senior health and science reporter Gabriella Emanuel. Welcome back. Hi, it's good to be here. So, Gabriella, it's been a while since we talked. Just to give a quick recap, in November, Governor Maury Healey announced that the state-run family shelter system was full and the state instituted a wait list. Following this announcement, lawmakers pushed Governor Healey to create overflow sites for families on the wait list who may not have other places to stay. Gabriella, you're here to fill us in on where things are now. So I want to start by asking you, what's the latest with these overflow sites and just what is the state of the family shelter system more broadly? Yes. So as you said, when the waitlist first went into effect, there was no designated safe place for families to wait until a spot opened up. Then the legislature, the lawmakers insisted that the Healy administration create something. They made uh, additional funding contingent on that. So there are three overflow sites that are run by the state, one in Revere, one in Cambridge, and one in Quincy. There are also a couple of additional sites that are funded through the United Way of Massachusetts Bay. And then there are some even smaller sites that are, you know, a church that has opened their doors, a family that's opened their homes. So there are now overflow sites, but there are not nearly enough of them. When I speak to homeless advocates, they say the situation is increasingly dire because some of these families don't have access to overflow sites. Here is just a bit from them. We are see families sleeping outside every single week, that in and of itself is an indicator that this problem is like beyond terrible. There isn't really a safety net any longer. I mean, if the safety net is you're approved and we'll call you sometime, that's not a safety net. It just feels really, trying to think of the best word, barbaric. So that is Rachel Hand of the Family Promise North Shore Boston, Emily Herzig of Northeast Justice Center, and Catherine Addy Bell of the Central West Justice Centers. So they kind of put in pretty dramatic terms that things are not good. And this is a big break from the past because when you think about Massachusetts, for decades it was the model of how to deal with family homelessness. We have this incredibly unique state law the right to shelter. And we also had this incredibly unique state-run family shelter system. And now it is, according to these homeless advocates, really not a model for how to deal with things. Now, you mentioned uh, the right to shelter law. Could you briefly explain what that is? Yeah, this is a law going back to the early 80s saying that we'll provide for families who are eligible. Homeless families will have shelter. And now over the years, the eligibility has changed. But this is we're the only state with a law like this. What happened this past year is that Governor Moore Healy declared the shelter system full with 7,500 families. And now we have this wait list, which has well over 550 families on it. Mm. Those overflow sites that I was speaking about earlier are to help deal with those 550 or, you know, the numbers going up every day, but those families. But all told, private and state, there are about space for 250 families. So not even half of the waitlisted families. 
so still some of those families who are waitlisted are left with nowhere to go. They, uh, I guess they're, they're out on the street or they're just having to, to fend for themselves and finding shelter. That's exactly right. So some are going to churches and community groups that have opened their doors. Many are doubling up with friends and relatives. Some are turning to unheated basements or returning to kind of abusive relationships. Mm. A dozen or more are staying at Logan Airport on many nights. Dozens of families, I should say. There's even one group that created a handout on how to safely sleep in your car in Massachusetts. I spoke with Emily Herzig, again, of the Northeast Justice Center, and she told me actually about a ripple effect of all of this. I'm in pretty close contact with um, social workers at a hospital in our service area. They are saying that even for newborn babies, which should be the first priority in the new waitlist system, they're being told, yeah, the family's eligible, but can you just keep them, hold them there for longer because they don't have a place for them? That's straining a small community hospital. It's, it's kind of a crazy situation. The hospital didn't respond to my interview request, but a state spokesperson said state officials are in regular touch with hospital leadership and hospital leadership hasn't flagged this as a concern. The fact that they are having um, newborns and their families stay longer than medically necessary. But it does speak to the fact that there is really, really limited shelter capacity, even for overflow shelter. Now, Gabriella, late last year, the state's family shelter system received $250 million to address this issue. How has that money been used? Yeah, so late last year, they did get um, in supplemental funding $250 million. That's on top of a record amount of money that was already allocated to the shelter system um, by lawmakers at the beginning of the fiscal year. So this supplemental funding really wasn't designed to deal with the overflow. It was just to keep the original shelter system afloat. But I should say there are two big complaints when I hear about these overflow sites. The first is that they are not evenly distributed across the state. The state-run overflow sites are really just in the Boston area. And there are a few private ones, but those are in north central Massachusetts. And that leaves whole swaths of the state without overflow shelter. That means that if there is someone, say, in western Massachusetts who is homeless, somehow gets a spot in an overflow site, which can be hard to get, then they have to travel several hours away from their community just to find a safe place to sleep. Catherine Addy Bell, again of Central West Justice Center, spoke about how that can be especially hard for kids. They're now being yanked away from maybe what is the most stable part of their lives, which is their school, their classmates, their friends. Also, you know, many of my clients are are working. You know, this is this is the working poor. They're at risk of losing their jobs, which is totally counterproductive. What does the state have to say about the complaints these advocates are raising? So in a statement that I got from General Scott Rice, who oversees the state's family shelter system, he acknowledged that there are unmet needs and an urgent need for more sites. So I think they are aware of these concerns. They are not suggesting that it's ideal, but it's also extremely hard to find additional sites for them. We're going to take a break, but we'll be right back. 
The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we're back with more from Gabriella Emanuel. So, Gabriella, as I understand it, a lot of the people in the state shelter system are from other countries. I'm talking migrants, refugees, asylum seekers. And I'm wondering if the current status of the state shelter system has been a deterrent for others from other countries who may be looking to come to the United States, more specifically Massachusetts. It's hard to pin down exactly what's driving people to go where. What we do know is we have heard that there is a decline in the number of new arrivals coming to Massachusetts. However, that usually happens when it's very cold weather. So it's possible that that's driven by this shelter situation. And I have spoken to nonprofits who say they are telling everyone they're working with here, tell your friends elsewhere not to come. So it could be that that message is getting out. It could also be kind of the natural ebb and flow of people moving to very cold places in the middle of winter. Mm -hmm. Just for context, just under half of the people in the family shelter system here in Massachusetts are newly arrived migrants, are refugees, are asylum seekers. So a lot of people in the system are longtime Massachusetts residents who are really feeling the crunch of a years-long housing crisis. The other piece, as you said, is this increase in new migrants coming here. But as of right now, that is not the majority of the people in the family shelter system. Understood. While we're talking about the migrant population, I understand that many people in the shelter system are waiting for authorization to work in the U.S., and that takes some time to acquire. Can you talk about this process as it relates to the current situation with the shelters? Are state officials helping to expedite where they can? Are federal officials offering support? Please, what's happening there? Yeah, this is an important piece of the puzzle. Uh, Many of the newly arrived migrants don't have uh, work authorization, and that makes it particularly hard to uh, leave shelter if you can't 
find a job and accumulate enough money for first last month rent to pay your rent. The Healy administration has really taken this on, both by calling for the federal government to do more and by running in concert with the federal government these work authorization clinics where they kind of help you process everything. Everything is in one place and you can kind of really move through the process much more quickly. So they ran two of them, both of which were seen as successful. And now they're moving into the next phase where they're linking up people who do have their work permits with jobs in the Commonwealth. So the Healy administration has been very focused on that piece of it. I will say advocates and experts I speak to say this is a long-term strategy. This in the short term will not open up room in the shelter system in any big, big numbers. So, Gabriella, earlier in this conversation, we talked about funding for the state shelter system and how the legislature made additional funding contingent on Governor Healy opening up temporary shelter for those on the wait list. But we're seeing that there isn't enough overflow shelter space available as of now. Can we expect more funding to be allocated for overflow shelter sites? So what we do know is that every two weeks, the governor um, files a report to the lawmakers about the situation. Their estimates there are that the whole system will get near to a billion dollars in the fiscal year. Some of that is overflow. Some of that is shelter. So far, that amount of money has not been allocated. So there will continue to be debates and questions to the lawmakers about whether there's more funding available, and then they will have questions and response about kind of what they want to see happen in the system. Got it. Well, this has been going on for the last several months, Gabriella. I'm curious to know what you're looking out for in the future. Yeah, I think the question will be whether there is an expansion of overflow shelter, whether there are any new sites out in Western Massachusetts. Also, the Healy administration uh, back several months ago made it possible for them to cap the length of stay that a family stays in the shelter system. And I think that now is kind of hanging over the heads of homeless advocates as a possibility where it wasn't there a few months ago. And Mm -hmm. if that is the case, it would fundamentally change the system. Right now, there's no cap on how long a family can be in the shelter system, and the average length of stay is well over a year. Mm -hmm. So if they do cap it, as we've seen in other parts of the country, New York, being one example, that would be a a big change. So we're watching to see if that comes to pass. Understood. Well, Gabriella, thank you so much for coming through to The Common and talking to us about this. We really, really appreciate this and all of your work. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's WBUR senior health and science reporter Gabriella Emanuel. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you want to get in touch with us, please hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at thecommon at WBUR.org. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>